Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, broadcasting live from the third level of my underground bunker located in Coronado, California, where the men are strong, the women are good-looking, and their parents believe all of their children are way above average. Welcoming you to another action-packed edition of Inside Track. I've had an action-packed week I'll tell you about in just a second. Today, Eb is off tracking fish in northern in the northern Pacific. He should be having fun. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. I'm happy to report that I made it through COVID this week, and my voice is as strong as ever. We welcome your calls today on the Wilkinson Wealth Management Live Line at 790-2040. Before we get rolling, let me remind you once more, Inside Track is brought to you by our great supporters, Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus, 209-1576. Eric Rudin, Essential Pest, 886-3029. Joy and Alley at Corazon Cabinets, 488-2266. And supporting Inside Track is the aforementioned Mr. Wilkinson with Wilkinson Wealth Management, his number is 777-1911. All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do. So should you. We do have an action-packed lineup for you this afternoon. In just a moment, CD2 GOP candidate for Congress, Walt Blackman, joins us after Walt. GOP candidate for Arizona State Treasurer Jeff Wenninger talks about his campaign. And rounding out the show today after the bottom of the hour break, old friend and frequent inside track contributor Phil Kirpin joins us to talk about the high prices at the gas pump and the perfect storm all of us Americans find ourselves in right now. Before we get to Walt, a quick mention of passings. Two notable friends and distinguished leaders who left us uh, this past week. Chuck Whitehill, successful attorney, community leader, and dedicated Arizona Wildcat supporter. He taught me the importance of fair treatment for others, even if they had not been fair to me. Richard Belkin a broadcasting executive, he really was more of a broadcasting legend, author, successful playwright, community leader, and generous donor to many good works everywhere. He was a dear friend who was a thoughtful soul, always concerned with his community more than himself, a very generous man. And finally, I was personally shocked and saddened by the brutal public assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe on Friday in Nara, Japan. He was a strong friend of America and Japan's longest-serving Prime Minister. His death has rocked Japan, as also her East Asian neighbors. Okay, let's get to it. CD2 GOP candidate for Congress, Walt Blackman, joins us from somewhere out in CD2 country. Walt, where the heck are you calling from today? I am in Tuba City right now, and I just had an event with uh, the Navajo Nation uh, folks out here. And uh, I've been working on the Navajo Nation for the past five years to, you know, help them and and bring the GOP out here and uh, just give them more freedoms and liberties that they deserve. So that's where I'm at right now. 
a predecessor of yours, Rick Renzi, who won election in what was then CD1 uh, three times, I believe, worked very hard on the Navajo Res and spent a great deal of time. Our uh, son, our oldest son, worked for him and drove him through places like Tuba City. And uh, so tell me, how many, how many uh, miles have you got on your car? Your, your website says over 16,000 miles. What, what are you up to now? I'm up to 110,000 miles right now. So we haven't updated that in some time because we've just been so busy. Um, however, uh, the district is as large as the state of Pennsylvania um, when we're talking about uh, geographical square miles. And it's just a huge, huge rural district that uh, I'm glad that we have and that uh, I'm going to service um, to the best of my ability when I'm in the United States Congress. So the two top issues that you're hearing from constituents in CD2, border, right? Yeah. And what else? Well, actually, it's three. It's border, it's uh, the inflation issues, and also uh, the recent uh, Roe v. Wade decision that uh, was handed down by the Supreme Court. So those are the three that I'm listening to when I'm out talking to people and knocking on doors. Those are those are some 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 concerns, particularly the the inflation piece, and in the border. So let's talk about inflation. Uh, inflation. Uh, um, you know, you're you're going to be one of 435. What can one guy do, okay, in 435 uh, to influence inflation? Well, first of all, I'm going to join the Freedom Caucus. And as you know, the Freedom Caucus is that group that keeps the checks and balances on both sides of the aisle uh, to include our own and to make sure that the president isn't doing any kind of runaway um, spending, as you see up there in D.C., and that uh, our own members are being stewards of taxpayer dollars. Um, I know that uh, with a 40-year high of inflation right now, uh, gas prices are high, bread prices are high, eggs are high. Folks are have to choose whether or not to buy their prescriptions or to put fuel in their vehicle. So we need to come up with some uh, ideals and, and solutions like open the pipeline, drill for our oil, um, ex- export it instead of import it, to drive down some of these, uh, these issues that we see with inflation. We should be between 2.0 or 2.1 when we're talking about inflation, and we are at an eight point. Um, so that's a, that's a number that American people just can't handle and because it's just too much gas, too much. And we need good leadership um, to um, help push that back down to a, a reasonable level. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you are um, uh, going to commit to be in the Freedom Caucus. That's exactly what I'm talking about is banding with a number of influential members in order to get legislation passed in the uh, U.S. Congress. You also serve right now in the Arizona legislature. Uh, lots and lots of accomplishments you played a role in uh, over the last session. What do you think the greatest accomplishment that you and the legislature had in this last session that's just uh, signed died here in the, in the not too uh, recent uh, history? Well, well, I was part of and co-sponsored and signed the largest ESA expansion for school choice for parents to be able to send their child where they want to send their kid to get an education or homeschool that child with the backpack funding following that child. So I'm really proud of that. Uh, it, recently, what, what we see in our schools with the violence in our schools with uh, folks coming in, 
um, a lot of parents are choosing uh, alternatives to uh, educate their children. And with this ESA expansion, I'm proud to do that. We sent $550 million to the border to increase our border security. Uh, we also uh, was I was part of the uh, property tax relief fund that offsets uh, that high cost of property tax, and it, it passes it down to the taxpayer. So uh, there's not just one. There are a few things that I'm proud of that I've co-sponsored and also voted on. And um, and also making sure our law enforcement officers get that 20 percent uh, pay raise that they need. You bet. You know, you've got a, an interesting uh, bunch of people running uh, with you in this uh, CD2 primary. Um, not all of them bother to show up for debates. We, we won't go there. But you got one guy who's this sort of QAnon dude. Um, you clearly have sort of distanced yourself uh, from the rest of this group in in terms of your accomplishments in the Arizona State Legislature, don't you think? I mean, you have the ability, you know, day one to go to work and start getting things done. And yes, and I, I can do that, and, the, and they, my opponents see that. Right now, I'm, I'm leading in the polls at 26 points. My next opponent uh, or the rest of the uh, group they're in single digits that's why you see a lot of attack ads against me you see a lot of untruths against me Um, so they are running on uh, lies about me because of my accomplishments and what i can do uh, when i get to the when i get to the u.s house of representatives i've been representing our district for the past four years i know the district i won the district twice 80 percent of congressional district two is my legislative districts i'm a rural guy I know the issues with road, forestry, water, uh, fire, fire, fire uh, uh, issues that we have in our district. Uh, we got a great group of guys, a great group of, of men uh, that are running. However, um, I'm the only guy in this pack uh, that is actually winning this race and can day one actually contribute to our district, our state, and our country. And, you know, just a second ago, you talked about forestry roads and water, and those really have been from the time Rick Renzi uh, was there, from the time uh, some of his predecessors were there. Uh, these are these are still the same issues. And, um, you know, forestry issues have have really come to the forefront. And uh, I, I just can't emphasize enough. Uh, that uh, if you if you are successful, you make it through the primary and you do get to the U.S. Congress, please don't forget uh, all of the folks, farmers, ranchers, uh, and even just regular people have uh, have homes out, you know, in in forest areas. Uh, we need to make our forests much safer, don't you think? Absolutely. When we're talking about ranchers, that's why I was endorsed by the former president of the Cattlemen of Arizona. That's why I understand the issues with our forestry. We need to thin our forests. We need to turn some of that land back over to Arizona control so we can manage it better. And then with water, I was part of the drought contingency plan my first year in office to make sure that we have sufficient water use in not only in uh, northern Arizona, but across the state. As you know, my district sits on one of the largest aquifers in the state. So we have to be able to manage that. We have to be able to lead with lead the leadership that I can provide. And uh, the, uh, the, my, my opponents, they just don't have that. Uh, they don't have that uh, knowledge to be able to do that. Well, we're up against the clock. How do Arizonans support you and volunteer to help you out? Well, they can go to my website at www.blackmanforcongress.com, and they can sign up. 
uh, to be part of our uh, Team Blackman. They can donate. They can uh, read our newsletters, and they will get up-to-date information on what I am doing on the ground uh, in Arizona and in Washington, D.C. I'm very accessible, and uh, I have a mandate to my staff that is, if anybody calls in to us, they make sure that um, I either get the eyes on them or I get eyes on their, their issues so I can fix them. And I'm going to be the same way when I'm in D.C. Walt Blackman, thanks for joining us. GOP candidate for Congress and CD2. Uh, go check your tires, Walt. You might be up on another uh, tire change. We appreciate yeah. you taking time out to, to join us today. Best of luck to you. Thank you, sir, and I appreciate you having me on. You bet. Mr. Producer, let's take our first break. You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Jeff Wenninger, uh, GOP candidate for Arizona State Treasurer. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Instead of an activity where every kid gets a trophy, those who graduate from Wright Flight get to fly a plane. But only if they get good grades, are well-behaved, and pass a written test. I'm Robin Stoddard, an ex-fighter pilot. I founded Wright Flight because I knew it could help kids reach new heights in their schools, homes, and communities. Endorsed by educators at every level, nonprofit Wright Flight has changed thousands of lives since 1986. Learn more at rightflight.org. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Our guest for the next few minutes is Jeff Wenninger. He's a, a guy who served in the Arizona House of Representatives since 2015. Before serving in the legislature, Jeff served on the Chandler City Council, campaign easy job, for eight years and held the position of vice mayor. He is currently a candidate on the Republican ballot for state treasurer of Arizona. Jeff, welcome to Inside Track. 
Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. Yeah, so um, you've served in the legislature. You've been a, uh, a council member uh, where you're facing people all the time. Um, what, uh, what led you to running for Arizona State Treasurer? Well, a couple things. One is, is there really wasn't a conservative running um, when I got in in August, and I, I really feel we need a conservative there. And the second thing is my big concern over something called ESG, Environmental Social Governance, which is, uh, I, I think, just a toxic new idea that is a... Uh, kind of come up through the private sector and could fundamentally change the way this country is. And, and I think there's a real nexus to the treasurer's office with that. Yeah, I think that we're, we're seeing more evidence uh, of ESG. Um, and, you know, it, it besides being unconstitutional, I think, and, and several other people have said the same, um, it just doesn't seem to be really in the best interest of shareholders, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you have a fiduciary responsibility to, you know, the people of Arizona and to shareholders and stuff. And they call it stakeholder capitalism. And um, basically, instead of the, the people who own the shares, they're saying they have a responsibility to everybody who could possibly be affected by it. And uh, uh, if, if you're divesting yourself of profitable industries like oil and gas, which is one thing that they do, then uh, you're you're leaving money on the table, and it just seems like a backdoor way of getting through things like the Green New Deal, things that they could not get through legislatively and by a vote of people's representatives. So they're trying a different way. It's akin a little bit to CRT. If you think about that, they couldn't pass that through school boards out in the open and. Uh, uh, for everyone to see and through legislatures. So you bring in this kind of Trojan horse where you start trying to change people's culture and uh, the way institutions run from the inside out. And I think that same thing is happening here with uh, ESG. Yeah, and, and the other the other thing about ESG um, is that, uh, as you said, it, it does try to bring these uh, extreme... Um, ideas into uh, the the public domain, but how how does what are the investment uh, uh, strategies or the investment criteria for the treasurer's office? Are there currently investments made in ESG companies? Well, yeah, I mean we were heavily invested in BlackRock uh, last year. I think they still have some investments in it. And, I get it. They're the, they're the biggest uh, people in the world. And so uh, there are those things. And then if, if you look at, I, I talk about certain contracts that we do. So we had a bill this year. It was Frank Carroll's. Came through my committee. I heard it and uh, tried to get it through. I, I think we have it in the Senate now, but it's stuck there, which basically says if any bank discriminates against a uh, firearms company, um, then the state won't do a contract with that bank. And that's really important, but we've renewed. Uh, one, unfortunately, the treasurer's office, the current treasurer's office, didn't weigh in in support of that bill or testify or, or render any opinion at all. And secondly, they've renewed the services contract with Bank of America once and has delayed the RFP a second time. It's, 
My my question is is why would we help prop up a bank that has the I think the worst record for Second Amendment rights that there is? They won't loan any money to these banks. They cut off uh, doing business with any gun shops. I even know a lobbyist from the gun industry who who was kicked out of his account because he's just a lobbyist. So why would we enable uh, further taking away our rights by giving them lucrative contracts? So I think there's there's a lot of different facets we can address. And, and so, Jeff, just to be clear, you're not um, uh, advocating boycotting. You're just saying that uh, the Treasurer's Office, uh, using proper investment standards, uh, ought to be doing business with companies who are inclusive to all streams of thought, including conservative uh, streams of thought, including those who support the U.S. Constitution, right? Absolutely. I don't really care if a company is left, right, middle, or kind of like a lot of companies do, just agnostic. But if, if you have funds and companies that are that are keeping others out and discriminating against them, then that's not in our best financial interest. Because eventually, when you boycott, you know, you have companies and funds who won't, you know, you get a lower ESG score if you loan money to oil and gas companies. Well, if they don't have money to do leases and to do drilling and those kinds of things, you're contributing to the overall inflation and the economy where we stand right now. Right. So, uh, again, kind of keeping on this, because in the, how the treasurer of the state of Arizona invests funds is a very important thing. There's billions of dollars that are sitting in, in numerous accounts. Um, we've seen uh, what people now describe as a bear market that has developed on Wall Street. Uh, the numbers uh, through Thursday were down below 30,000 on the Dow. Uh, so... How how does uh, the treasurer best protect uh, the people's money? Well, and, and that is their number one responsibility. It's not always necessarily, you know, you, you want the highest return you can get, but the number one responsibility is to protect the assets uh, for the people. And so they're constantly pivoting. They do have a good staff uh, that, you know, constantly makes changes. And the staff has been kind of consistent from from. When Governor Ducey was there and Jeff DeWitt, who was a great treasurer, and the current treasurer, Emily Yee. Um, and, and so they're constantly pivoting. They're, they're looking at uh, the rest of the country, but they're being safe, number one. I mean, if you have a little bit lower return, but everybody's money is protected, then that's good. There, there was a case back in uh, during the recession years ago where uh, I think it was Lehman Brothers where, you know, uh, the state lost a good amount of money because of that. So you know how to balance a checkbook yourself. You've been in business. Uh, you've been a restaurant owner. Uh, tell us about how your experiences as a businessman, a small businessman, uh, impact your thinking and, and, and your direction if you are elected um, uh, to be our nominee for state uh, treasurer. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, between being a council member and being a legislator, I've, I've done 16 budgets. I've been a restaurant owner in the Valley for 29 years, had a uh, one restaurant for 29 years, one restaurant for 26 years. Uh, and we deal with everything under the sun. I mean, whether it's minimum wage or healthcare or inflation right now or um, um, transportation. I mean, we deal with all these and have to make quick decisions. And like I said, I've survived for 29 years. 
Um, and the other thing, important part of the, the treasurer's office is you're managing a team of professionals. Again, talented employees, but you need someone at the helm who's there and present uh, managing the people. I've had anywhere, at any given time, I have anywhere from 90 to 100 employees uh, that we manage at, at the restaurants and have had that for over 20 years. So uh, I'm very attuned to that and uh, making sure we have a great culture and a team that's really bought in to the vision of serving the people. So how do people support you? What's your website and, and, and what kind of help do you need? Yeah, website is jeffwenninger.com, J-E-F-F-W-E-N-I-N-G-E-R.com. And, you know, if you want a yard sign, you want to volunteer, we're traveling all over the state. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking almost every day, and uh, going out of the county, going into the rural areas, which I think you should. You serve the whole state. Uh, you can donate online. Uh, we do need, uh, you know, funds to get our message out there. But we're really excited, and people are really uh embracing the message and uh um, we're excited to kind of spread through the end here to august 2nd so jeff you've you've served uh in in a couple different positions as a as an elected official um and you're running for one of the higher offices in the state of arizona certainly one with great responsibilities um my co-host eb wilkinson and i ask everybody who first appears on inside track um this following question uh in the Arizona Constitution, what is the stated purpose of government? It, it's to protect individual rights or freedoms and or freedoms. Ding, um, ding, 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 ding. You'd be surprised how many Republicans actually don't answer that question properly. <laughs> well, there's a nexus to what we were talking about. I mean, if, if to me, if... if uh, banks and there's a silent eroding of our Second Amendment rights and their other rights by no vote of the people or the representatives. And, and I'm not doing something about it that I'm not protecting your rights. Yeah, and you know we 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 know that in other countries that don't have the same sort of uh, um, uh, constitutional safeguards, um, those governments are setting up so really kind of a social account, uh, and uh, in some cases are banning people from uh, being able to uh, hold office or banning people from being able to open a business or or open a bank account, uh, use their money, um, based upon what we're seeing in the banking industry today that is slowly what's what's beginning to develop and corrode our own constitution don't you think yeah yeah it, it's the the money's in in control and uh we could go down a rabbit hole of a lot of different things by this but you you can't always just look at congress and what the president and them are doing there's such a bureaucratic state at every level of government here where they can affect your rights just by changing rules. And now we're seeing it somewhat in this kind of combination of the private sector and some, uh, you know, corporate elites where they could literally change how our country runs and you don't even notice it until maybe it's too late. That's why I, I, I try to educate everybody I can on, on ESG and I just tell them to go, go Google, Google it and, uh, you'll, you'll go down a rabbit hole and see that this isn't just, uh, 
hyperbole. Yeah, you, you just need to warn them in advance. Do don't do it on a full stomach because uh, yeah. they may lose they may lose their lunch. Jeff Winnegar, thanks very much for coming on the show. Feel free to come back anytime you wish. Um, and again, give everybody that website just as a reminder. JeffWenninger.com. And that Wenninger is W-E-N-I-N-G-E-R.com. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Jeff. Thanks very much. Uh, Inside Track listeners, uh, we'll be right back after these messages. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Our special guest for the balance of the show today is friend of the show, frequent Inside Track contributor, Phil Kirpin. Uh, he is a free market policy analyst and political organizer. Phil is president of American Commitment, a conservative 501 organization which he founded. He previously worked for over five years as vice president of Americans for Prosperity. Welcome, Phil. Hey, Bruce, great to be with you. I hope you celebrated a meaningful Independence Day holiday. Most Americans paid a lot more for their dogs and tater tots this year, even more filling their gas tanks, didn't they? Yeah, it's, uh, you remember last year when they were trying to say how much cheaper Fourth of July was? I noticed they didn't do the same thing this year. They didn't uh, run the numbers. <laughs> no, uh, sir. Because they were much, much higher. And, of course, uh, it's you know as bad as it is with food, which is crazy. And you know, I went to the grocery store the other day. Usually, my wife goes, "I I can't believe what everything costs. It's really unbelievable." But you know, I, what I do notice that everyone notices that every time you go to fill your gas tank, it's you know fifty percent more, sixty percent more than it was a year ago. And um, you know, we're finally at least around here. It's a little bit under five dollars now. Finally, it's like four seventy five or something like that. But it's just really crazy out of line with what we've ever seen before. And uh, 
people are really getting hammered by these price increases. Yeah, they are. And, you know, it's, it's staggering to hear uh, the administration, uh, members of the Department of Treasury, the Federal Reserve, um, talk about the way that uh, they are having to impose uh, additional pain on American consumers uh, with higher interest rates. Um, the, the uh, you know, fuel, carbon, you know, it really, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's in concrete. It's in deliveries. It's, you know, it's, it's about salaries. This is all combined. And I mean, it's like there's a tsunami that's been headed toward the American uh, public uh, consumers now uh, for about a year now. Uh, what is the answer? Well, I think we've got to we've got to do almost the exact opposite of everything that's happening uh, with the Biden agenda, and that means instead of trying to raise taxes on businesses, they should be leaving them the heck alone right now. Uh, instead of spending trillions of dollars and trying to do another round of massive spending with uh, this reconciliation, build back uh, 2.0 or whatever they're doing, they should be cutting spending. And instead of over-regulating everything and making it almost impossible to produce in America, they should be cutting red tape and making it easier to produce in America, especially for oil and gas. The problem is that, you know, they're not going to abandon everything they believe in in their whole policy agenda, so they keep pushing all of the things that move us in the wrong direction and making excuses instead. Um, And, of course, you know, the Federal Reserve uh, should be actually reducing the growth of the money supply. You know, they announced that... They were going to have this runoff, and they weren't going to, uh, you know, they were going to allow the Treasury bills that they hold to run off and not replace them, the mortgage-backed securities to run off and not replace them and actually contract their balance sheet. And, uh, you know, they make this announcement, and they haven't done it. You go and you look, the balance sheet is still growing. And so they're continuing to increase the amount of money in circulation, even while they raise interest rates, which to me is a recipe for not, not for stopping inflation, but it's a recipe for stopping real economic growth and having stagflation, having high inflation, uh, but with less economic activity because you've made, made, uh, made it more expensive for uh, you know, people and companies to borrow. And so I think we've got policies pushing largely in the wrong direction right now, both from Congress and from the Federal Reserve. Unfortunately, that kind of tends to make everything worse rather than better. You know, I, I will say, though, the, the one sort of good news on the horizon is the, the crude oil price has come down a bit from the records that we saw a few weeks ago. And kind of as that works its way through, I'm hoping we're going to see, at least in the medium term, uh, the price of the pump come down somewhat. But, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of these situations where it goes from $5 to $4 and people are cheering and they forget that, you know, two years ago it was $2. And so, you know, it's going to maybe reset our expectations a little bit with how bad it's been. We're going to get a little bit of relief and it's going to seem great. But in truth, you've still got all of these factors that are pushing in the wrong direction. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't have a great medium to long-term outlook because of that. I'm going to come back to um, uh, uh, to the Fed and so on in just a second, um, because because I think that needs uh, to bear out a little bit more conversation. Uh, I read in one of your recent American commitment pieces, quote, the nation's biggest oil industry trade group has drafted a proposal urging Congress to adopt a carbon tax, which would put a surcharge on gasoline and other fossil fuels to discourage greenhouse gas emissions. The draft, appro- uh, uh, the draft proposal was approved by the American Petroleum Institute's Climate Committee last month. 
have these folks in the oil business started using hallucinogenics or something? I, I, am I hearing what, what, what am I not understanding? Cause it, it seems almost as stupid as, as what you just talked about the fed doing where they're, you know, they've, they've said that they're going to uh, stop quantitative easing, but they continue, uh, you know, uh, putting money into the system while they're, while they're raising interest rates It's working against one another. How is this an idea uh, that that's good for America? Do you think? Well, I think it's bad for America, and I, I don't think they thought uh, that it would be made public. Uh, it was <laughs> like crazy. Uh, but, you know, it's it, well, first of all, I think it's insane that under any circumstance, the oil and gas industry would be lobbying for taxes on their own customers that they would collect. Uh, I think it shows you how much sort of the sort of the wokeness and the, uh, the the green political correctness, whatever you want to call it, has taken hold in corporate America. That you now have the biggest oil and gas companies that don't think they can be against uh, kind of the the climate change agenda, but rather they have to have their own version of what to do, and their version of what to do is to put a tax on their own customers, essentially. And so that's crazy in itself under any circumstance, in my opinion, but that they would be talking about that, even if they think they're talking about it secretly, <laughs> that they would be talking about it at all with what Americans are suffering right now in terms of energy prices is really astonishing. And I just think the takeaway has got to be that, you know, we cannot count on, quote, unquote, big oils to be representing the interests of their own customers, of regular people, and that we really need to be our own advocates, our own lobbyists, and uh, really make clear to, you know, elected officials in Congress and in the administration that, you know, we want more domestic production. We don't want new taxes. We want them to, you know, move in the direction of lower prices and more production. And, uh, and, 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 and I think, you know, set aside this whole climate change agenda completely because the rest of the world is like laughing at us. You look at China still opening like a new coal plant every week and we're saying, oh, we're right. going to have to have higher, even higher prices through taxes on, on, you know, in the U.S. So I, I think it uh, just shows how you know, corporate America has really become captive to the left ideologically. So how much of this, um, uh, this goofy idea comes from the fact that Biden has just been pounding on the oil companies, uh, berating them and, and uh, gas station owners, you know, the retailers uh, for, for petroleum products, just been bashing them over the head the past couple of months. Uh, was this in part, do you think, an answer to that sort of attack on the industry as a whole by the White House? You know, I think that it's... Um I think, yeah, to a certain extent, yes. I think it's a response to the uh, the aggressive anti-fossil fuel agenda of this administration and even going back to previous administrations. And I think that they've got this idea that, you know, they can sort of uh, make peace with the anti-fossil fuel left if they become tax collectors for them. And it's this idea that, well, you know, if we buy them off with a big tax on our own customers, then they'll maybe let up a little bit on the attacks and the regulations and all the other stuff, and we'll just, you know, kind of pay the piper and we'll otherwise be able to go about our business. And I, I think that's an incredibly naive idea because I've never heard any green group or any liberal or any Democrat actually say that if they had a carbon tax, they would ease up on the EPA regulations or the permitting restrictions or any of their other efforts to demonize and stop fossil fuel production. And so I do think that's part of the motivation, but I think it's naive, in my opinion. 
Well, anytime, anytime you give an inch, your your opponent's probably going to try to take uh, not just your arm but the rest of your body as well. Um, I want to I want to just uh, spend just a, a couple more seconds on this. Um, this is all sort of part of this whole ESG movement within uh, within uh, uh, major companies around the country and around the world. Um, our last guest is a candidate, a GOP candidate running for Arizona State Treasurer uh, here on the Republican ticket in our primary coming up next month. And um, really the, the focal point of his campaign seems to be that even the current Republican uh, state uh, treasurer um, is allowing uh, us to invest in ESG-motivated uh, companies. Uh, much to the, you know, much to the detriment probably of the Arizona taxpayers, uh, because you know why should they be promoting things for the left when really their their whole cause rationale ought to be for the greatest amount of uh, profits for their shareholders. Um, what's what do you think is going on not just in in the oil industry, but you know, corporate America as a whole? I mean, is is, is it running for the hills, or, or do they really believe this stuff uh, is going to be something good for, for their customers in the long run, do you think? Well, I think this is one of the major problems that we face, um, certainly on the energy issue, but also on a number of other issues. And it's the fact that the left has very strategically um, in sort of Im- implemented all of these various ESG and DEI initiatives. And because they control a lot of the large pools of institutional capital, things like state pension funds and yeah. university endowments and the big hedge funds, uh, they have outsized voting power and therefore control and influence over corporate boardrooms. And so when they say, you know, you've got to do this, that, or the other thing on, you know, transgender, on, uh, you know, whatever it might be, on guns or on, you know, anything energy-related, you know, whatever the left-wing agenda is that they're pushing, most corporations, they've got to sort of assess and say, well, I better go along with this political stuff uh, because that's what the investors want, and i got to be responsive to the investors. And, you know, none of these things that they're pushing actually create shareholder value. They're not, uh, you know, they're not productive economically to pursue left-wing political things. And so they actually harm the companies economically and they harm the other shareholders as a consequence of that. But when all of the big institutional capital pools are on board with it, companies can't really resist it. And so I do think this is a major problem. It's a major problem, uh, certainly with respect to energy, um, kind of led by BlackRock, which is the big hedge fund that uh, sort of pioneered all this stuff. And by the way, the head of sustainable investing at BlackRock went to work in the Biden White House, a guy named Brian Deese. He's now one of their chief economic spokespeople. So there's a lot of overlap between kind of the political problem and the Wall Street problem. It's uh, They're not separate problems. They're heavily connected to each other. Um, but I think the yeah, – and, and you know, I don't know about Arizona specifically because I haven't looked into it, but I know that there are a lot of states that you might think of as a conservative state that actually push a lot of this stuff in the pension funds they manage. And so I, I do think that we need to get a handle on this you know, through whatever levers we have you know, kind of in terms of you know, if there are elected positions involved and, and try to push back on it because you know, I, I fear – that on so many issues where we think we're winning because we're winning elections, we might end up losing because of corporate America being subject, you know, to these other influences. 
So, Phil, you founded and you lead American Commitment. Remind our listeners about the work that you're doing. I, I see it, uh, but tell our listeners what American Commitment is doing uh, in in the political marketplace and in the in the opinion marketplace to make a difference. Well, we are a national free market advocacy group. We work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to focus on the issues at any point in time that are the most important, the most significant, uh, and where a little bit more citizen education involvement could actually affect outcomes in a more free market direction. And so we, we do a lot of letters to Congress or into regulatory agencies, and uh, we try to focus on kind of the points of attack where people can really make a difference and, uh, and win some of these public policy fights. And all our stuff is on our website, which is a little bit in flux right now. We're actually working on a new website, but uh, you can still see our old one such as it is at America. AmericanCommitment.org, and any and and you can Google Phil. Uh, you're going to see that uh, he is prolifically producing different uh, uh, points uh, for for political discussion. Yesterday, Phil wrote: Senate Democrats pushing a 250 billion dollar small business tax hike. Phil, if there's a sure way to assure a full-blown economic disaster for American consumers, um, because we know how this is going to end, uh, you know, the um, anytime there's a tax increase on business, they pass those taxes along to the consumer, right? This, this can't turn out well, do you think? It's really crazy that they're talking about doing a big tax hike package right now with the economy potentially on the brink of a recession. Uh, we've just got people who are so left-wing ideologically, and um, you know they're desperately trying to get a deal that all 50 Democratic senators can agree to, and whatever's in it, they're gonna they're gonna go, they're gonna do it, and uh, you know we're we're trying to keep tabs on that and uh, try to stop these really bad ideas and prevent it from happening. But, uh, you know, we, a lot of us celebrated at the end of last year when Build Back Better was stopped. It's, you know, we've we got to stop it again. We've got to stop, you know, their reworked version that they're working on. And uh, it looks like they've got this new 4% tax on business income that's uh, going to be the big revenue source uh, for, for the revamped bill. And you're right, of course. If you have higher taxes on businesses, you're going to have higher prices for consumers. You can't have one without the other. Well, well the, the other part, and, you know, I, I've always faulted Republicans, and I'm a Republican. I'm a former National uh, Party official. Um, I've, I've faulted Republicans because they always talk about the impact on small business. I like to talk about the impact on employees who work for small businesses because this sort of a, a proposal and one that we're going to talk about in just a second on Medicare uh, theft is exactly the sort of thing that hurts jobs, don't you think? Yeah, no question. I, look, I, they're not going to get any Republican votes for this. Uh, but to your point, you know, if you want to stop a bad idea, it's not necessarily enough to vote against it. You've got to communicate and talk about it in a way that's going to get enough people agitated and angry to stop Democrats from voting against it. So you've got to attach uh, some political consequence to the bad idea such that the Democrats say, wait a second, maybe we need to back up. And uh, certainly the way we talk about it and the way we frame these things is important for that. Well, and there's a hell of a lot more uh, uh, members in the economy, uh, taxpayers who, who are who are working for small business owners, uh, they all get a chance to vote in November. And if they think that their jobs are in danger, if they think that, that their ability to pay their bills is in danger, you know, it, it's up to them 
provided that they're that they're actually paying attention to make sure that the people who want to do these things uh, aren't around kicking them uh, uh, in the butt in the future. Uh, you you wrote on July first, Democrats want to raid Medicare to pay for Obamacare again. I mean, we have been through this so many times. Yeah, I just I remember I remember the picture they had of of Paul Ryan, uh, you know, dropping Granny off the cliff. That's exactly what the Democrats are doing again. It was never Paul Ryan. It was always the Democrats who wanted to continue raiding Medicare and Social Security for some of their other goofy ideas. Don't you think? Yeah, it's um, you know. Obamacare has had no cost controls of any kind, as we always said would be the case. And uh, it's interesting because healthcare utilization is actually down a lot over the last couple of years because people just don't want to deal with hospitals and doctors anymore and the masks and and the bad visitation policies and all the nonsense. And so we've seen sort of a collapse in utilization of the healthcare system, which is not a great thing, by the way, because I'm worried a lot of people are going to find out they have cancer when it's much later stage than it otherwise would have been, and we're going to avoiding, uh, we're we're not getting treatment that's going to have major negative consequences. But the, the one thing that should have been a positive consequence of utilization collapsing is we should have seen healthcare premiums go down a lot because people aren't using healthcare. You would think, oh, but it hasn't happened. Uh, instead, they've found ways, you know, they've found ways to c- come up with uh, justifications for keeping premiums where they are, or even raising them as the insurance companies always do. And uh, now we're in this situation where the pandemic era supersized Obamacare subsidies are supposed to end. And of course, you know, they call them tax credits, but the, no one ever gets the money except the insurance right. companies. The money goes right. directly to the insurance companies. And now they're running all these ads. I, I, maybe not where you are, but here in D.C., every single commercial break is an ad from Blue Cross Blue Shield saying, oh, we have to extend these subsidies. They're so important for affordable health care. And it's like, you know, if a program has no cost con- containment at all and the prices just go up and up and up and your solution is just to throw more and more and more taxpayer dollars at insurance companies to keep it going, uh, the program is a problem. It doesn't work. It's a mess. Um, and it doesn't actually make something less expensive when you subsidize it more. It just means that the costs are shifted onto taxpayers if for the people who are getting the subsidies. And, of course, for anyone who doesn't qualify for the subsidies, they face the insane sticker price of the prices that just keep going up and up and up. So I think it's crazy that they're, you know, that Democrats are poised to extend the supersized Obamacare subsidies yet again. And it's even crazier, both policy and politically, that the way they want to pay for that is to raid hundreds of billions of dollars out of Medicare prescription drug benefits. And, you know, they've got this corrupt media that acts like it's a great thing for seniors that they're going to drain, you know, $250 billion out of Medicare prescription drug spending. They keep calling it, quote, unquote, drug pricing reform. Uh, But anyone who's got a couple of brain cells knows that if you spend $200 billion less on Medicare prescription drug benefits, seniors aren't going to get as many prescription drugs. It's not like the government can just magically make something less expensive and just spend a lot less and the program's going to be fine and you're still going to have the same, you know, cutting edge. So, I think that if Republicans were competent, they would turn this into a political disaster for the Democrats by just walking through what this bill actually does. But, you know, the media gives misleading slogans, misleading explanations, and apparently this proposal polls as a popular thing to do, to cut money out of Medicare drug spending and hand it over to insurance companies as Obamacare subsidies. So we'll see if they can get the bill actually finalized and, uh, you know, if... 
Republicans are, are competent at explaining what it is and what it does. It should be another political loss for Democrats, but I'm not I'm not sure it'll happen that way. So we'll, we'll have Phil, to see, we, but they, they've Phil, apparently got language. Yeah, Phil, we're yeah, right sorry, up against it, and, and we have a caller, Mark, who has a quick, right, Mark, a quick question for Phil Kirpin. Go ahead. Okay, so the, these politicians that create these terrible mall rating, pirating, uh, barbarian laws, to you know, steal money from the people. Anyway, they're never on the hook for anything. And so, for example, they're going to shut down power plants because they don't like the pollution. They need to be the first ones to lose power, to be cut off from the grid. Well, I, think, I, think, I think we agree with that, don't we, Phil? Thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I think one of the, one of the most basic principles uh, of our government ought to be that the people who make the laws have to follow them and live under them. And we've got so many laws that exempt them, including, by the way, the Obamacare law, which they put language in and yep. saying that Congress would have to be in Obamacare. And then they just ignored it. I mean, they basically circumvented it with a corrupt deal that Boehner cut with Obama. And, uh, you know, taxpayers still pay for the insurance for members of Congress and their staff, which the law said wasn't supposed to happen. And certainly for these bad energy policies, uh, you know, I agree. If there's a shortage, they should be the first ones cut off. Of course, it's not going to happen. They fly everywhere. And, uh, you know, but I think that anything we can do to force them to live with the consequence of their own decisions would be a positive. Phil, we're at that time where we're always fighting with the clock at the end of the show. Thanks for joining us today. Once more, what is the easiest and best way to find out about Phil Kirpin and American Commitment and be able to follow you? AmericanCommitment.org is the website. I'm also on Twitter. It's my last name. If you want my up-to-the-second thoughts, uh, Kirpin, K-E-R-P-E-N on Twitter. Thanks very much for joining us, Phil. Great, great to talk to you, and I hope to have you back on again real soon. Insiders, on behalf of my broadcast partner, Eb Wilkinson, who hope, hopefully is going to catch me a fish this weekend, hope you enjoy the show today with Walt Blackman, Jeff Winninger, and Phil Kirpin. Our show is podcasted both on the KVOI website and Apple Podcasts. Close to 130 Inside Track episodes are on Apple Podcasts. Until next week when we have another fabulous show planned for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash. Thanks for listening in today. We'll see you again in 167 hours. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing, They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 
1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.